state of city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people i mean it's just like like you put all the offensive players in one bag and i just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag so each time he came over there i tried to tear his damn head off let's play some football let's play some football the pressure is on this is off the edge on tide 100.9 focus on what you want to do what you want to accomplish Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish. They're going undefeated and winning the national championship. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison hanging out with you, digital managing editor of Townsquare Media, Tuscaloosa, Mesa Woods, Hunter Brantley, Joe Gay, they're all behind the board, helping us out this morning. I didn't do a damn thing all weekend. <laughs> when I get extended weekends, I tend to just not do anything. Uh, it's just me and the kids in the house. Just hanging out, watching TV, playing video games, just just chilling, right? My youngest drank, like, all the Kool-Aid, <laughs> an alarming amount of Kool-Aid. Well, we just we just hung out. We didn't do anything. No no fireworks. I'm not a fan of fireworks. I said that on Friday. So, uh, you know, quiet community that I live in, you know, no, no loud noises outside, which is very nice because in years past, we haven't lived in quiet communities. Uh you know, you didn't know if they were fireworks or not. You know what I'm saying? So it was a uh, very calm, quiet weekend for me. Uh, I do, you know, I unplug a lot on weekends. And I will say, I did not watch half as much as what Joe did. I'm not getting on here to talk about uh, uh, Joey Chestnut. Uh, I did when I got here, though. Joe was uh, starting off the show talking about Joey Chestnut. Can't do it. Not Hot dogs, man. Like. I couldn't get my kids to eat one hot dog. Couldn't do it. I, I I don't I don't know that it's really that much of a sport. And I think honestly, I want you to get out there and do it, Jacob. <laughs> I, I want to honestly. Why is there so much attention paid to Joey Chestnut doing this with a hurt foot? Because it's awesome. But the, his foot has nothing to do with his performance. It's a total he could. Body. He probably couldn't balance <laughs> up there body. as well. <laughs> balance. <laughs> Does he have to stand up to do it? He does stand to eat. Does he have to? Yes. 
I mean, are you going to sit down and eat 63 hot dogs? How is standing up going to help anymore? Doesn't that impact gravity just as much? Great length. Length. Got to drop it down. (laughs) Drop the hot dogs down. It's very scientific, Jacob. I I can imagine. Uh, I feel like if one guy's figured it all out, though, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Like, the rest of them are just out there to see him do it at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like if Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Birmingham Stallions, the Stallions players would know what's going to happen, and they just watch Tom do his magic. You know what I mean? Like they just they would just be there, right? That said, props to the Birmingham Stallions for winning the, the inaugural of a Super Bowl. The trophy sure looked like it. <laughs> I saw the message this morning. Should they? Should they sue for for copyright infringement? That trophy looks just like the Lombardi. I mean, just like it. That's the- it makes it almost like it makes me wonder if maybe there's anybody in this world who is not a huge football fan who just kind of saw that in passing and thought, "Oh wow, look at that Super Bowl. That's cool." <laughs> right? Exactly. What's the USFL? Yeah. Oh, they play football this late in the spring. Cool. That's nice. Uh, I didn't watch any of the USFL this year. Not 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 a second. I kept up with it on Twitter. You missed out. I'll be honest. I, I will say <laughs> when the Scooby Wright pick six happened first of all like how long ago was it that he played college football like 18 year old me it feels like it's been 10 years 18 year old me lost his mind scooby right scooby right trending on twitter in 2022 give me that but let's be real that was one of the slowest pick sixes i've ever seen in my life like i i love the fact that these guys get to play right Bo Scarborough had a hell of a first half, right? But we all saw, like, the 50-yard run that he had, right? It wasn't so much because of Bo as it was because these dudes just didn't take good angles on him. And he was able to bounce outside. He's a great athlete. He deserves a shot in the NFL. I don't think he's been given a fair shake at that at all when he's been on the field in the NFL. He's been productive. I thought he was going to be, like, the future for the Lions there for a little while, and they just didn't do it. I don't understand why. I think he deserves a shot in the NFL. I think he's good enough to play in the NFL. But not being able to outrun that is a prime example of why he's not. And the nature of the run, right? So here I am doing all this criticizing. And we're, we're talking a lot about professionals in this criticism, right? That leads me to a tweet that has gained some traction this morning, about an hour ago, this Eric Sondheimer, who is a uh, high school sports beat writer for the L.A. Times since 1997 and USC since the 70s. So he's he's got some work behind him, right? He knows what he's doing. Big J journalist in the sports field. But he tweets out this morning, the big question for sports writers and editors in the coming months, as if we have not passed the one-year mark of NIL being a thing, is with college athletes being paid, should they be treated like pro athletes with the gloves coming off and criticism being fair game if they don't perform? And he replies to that and says, and what about high school athletes with NIL deals? Are they subject to a different standard than hands-off? After all, they're a teenager. And my response to that is... All athletes should be criticized. All of them. Except for, like, children, right? Like, I mean, teenagers, like, high school athletes, it's one thing. Like, you know, I've, I've seen videos of, 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 you know, baseball dads and soccer dads, and, like, they're, they're too much. You know, there there is, you know, you, you have to gauge. It's based off the interest level of the people involved, of the, of the athletes involved. But all athletes should be criticized. All of them. And that's not a, we should just be mean to them. Because here's a little known fact about the word criticize. About criticism. It does not mean negative. It doesn't. I learned that at the University of Alabama. Criticism does not mean negative. It basically means analysis. It basically means look at it and see it for what it is and dive just a tad bit deeper. Is it good 
is it bad? What is it exactly? You should criticize players. You should. Even if it's not to, to talk about how bad they are. A few weeks ago, I did a full breakdown of the quarterback room. And I talked about Bryce Young. And I talked about one of the things that Bryce Young needs to work on. And what that is, is making faster to de- decisions. I said that the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback of last year needed to work on making faster decisions. The, the oxymoronic nature of that, right? I'm aware of how silly that sounds out loud. But the fact of the matter is, is there is no such thing as a perfect prospect. None. There is no such thing as a perfect player in any sport. Even Joey Chestnut, not a perfect athlete, right? But that doesn't mean you can't dive into everything about them, and that does not mean that you cannot reasonably criticize anything about them. Now, an unreasonable criticism of Bryce Young would have been the ones from last year where they were saying he was scared to run. That's unreasonable criticism. And it comes from a lack of of knowledge of the sport, I think. If you said that in the past, hey, just look in the mirror. Just being honest, it's it's valid. that You should be able to criticize other people's criticisms of the sport as well based off of what you got. It is what it is. At the end of the day, it's what makes talking about these things better. And it's what shows an unbiased approach the best. Being afraid of what players may think of what you have to say about them is the weakest thing in the world to me. If you think a certain way about a player, say it. If you think a certain way about a team, say it. Come with evidence. Come with facts. Have your receipts lined up, ready to read them off. There is a fine line, though. There is. There is. And, I've, I've, hey, there's been Steelers players, <coughs> Jalen Samuels, who I just I, I don't have any forgiveness for you. You're terrible, and it is what it is, right? And that line is a lot lot more strict when it comes to college athletes and high school athletes, and I will, I will fully admit that. Professionals, they should be held to a slightly different standard. However, that has a lot to do with my fandom in saying that about any certain player that plays for the Steelers or anybody. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to Alabama, I'm a fan. A big part of why I'm a fan of Alabama is because I owe that school so much money. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it. so you have to be able to separate. And if you can't separate, then maybe don't criticize. But don't blow smoke up these players' asses either. Don't be the rat poison. Don't, don't, don't completely deter from the conversation either. They're, and it doesn't matter that they're getting paid. It doesn't matter. They should have always been open to being criticized because they play on a platform. The fact of the matter is, as the conversation has continued throughout all this time, it's always been a professional sport. Now it's just open. So if you want to look at it as the professionalization of college football, then first of all, I would call you naive because it's always kind of been that way. I mean, maybe always isn't the right word, but for a long, long time. And if that's now the case, and that's what allows you to open up to, to criticizing players, I think you're backwards on that. Now, there's a difference between being a sports writer, being an editor, being a columnist, being an analyst. There's differences in all of those tips, types of things. Sports writers and beat reporters shouldn't be criticizing anything because they should just be reporting facts, right? An analyst, an editor, a columnist, they write whatever they want. And if they weren't already criticizing players, they weren't doing their job effectively, honestly, because they were still being too much of a fan of their team. And it's a big problem in, in sports, in the sports arena, right? We had the, we had the guys in Colorado that were hoisting up the, the Stanley cup trophy. Can't do that. Can't do it. It's not, it's not ethical. Can't do it. But there is a way to cheer on your teams as somebody that's part of the media covering those teams. There's a way to do it. And it's silently in your head, right? 
on the radio, a little bit different. We're more of a in a columnist editorial position. But that means that we make it to where we're open to, to criticize and open to praise. We're open to being negative, open to being positive. That's the space that this platform exists in. That's why I love it so much. It allows me to analyze and allows me to do that. Reporting a fact takes five seconds. Analyzing takes 50 minutes, right? That's what I love about it. So, Eric Sondheimer, I respect it. If you're a journalist, don't criticize. That's not your job. If you're an editor, if you're a columnist, criticize. Because players deserve it. And if they can't handle it, the entire nature of sports is Newton's law. (laughs) It is survival of the fittest. It is survival. It is evolve and adapt this entire landscape. If they can't handle it, they're not mentally strong enough to do it anyway. They will fall. And that is not the problem of somebody who analyzes. Just facts. We'll take a break, come back, talk with A.J. Spur, get his thoughts on realignment, and so much more here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. The Alabama Securities Commission protects you from financial fraud. Anyone asking you for investment money must be licensed. You're careful with your money. Fraudsters aren't. Before you invest, call our hotline at 1-800-222-1253 to verify the licensing of the person making an offer and the product. Don't lose your heart. Hard-earned money. Learn to protect yourself at asc.alabama.gov. Paid for by the Investor Protection Trust and brought to you by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon across West Alabama. A few scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 76. Tomorrow, morning sunshine. A few scattered storms by afternoon. The high at 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the Podcast Center. On Tide100.9.com. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach. Bring the heat. Uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh, here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9 Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports About that time, every Tuesday that we head out to the hotline And talk with our good friend AJ Spur At Spur FM on the Twitter account Site editor of Roll Tide Wire, the USA Today affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. AJ, what's going on, man? Jacob, I'm as happy as could be, and I texted you about this before uh, the show this morning. There's just chaos running rampant in college football and the 4th of July hot dog eating contest. It's everywhere, <laughs> and, and I couldn't be happier about it. Chaos is what uh, what fuels college football these days. Last week... The announcement of the Big Ten growing even further than the Big 14 now. It's getting up to 16. I think they need to have a name change. USC, UCLA announcing that they have the intentions of joining the conference in the next couple of years. I mean, right off the bat, just reaction to those two legendary L.A. schools heading now to the Big Ten. It's, It's weird, but I don't hate it. It's weird, primarily just based on geography, which is what a lot of people are talking about. Uh, a lot of the complaints about stuff like this are coming purely based off of the fact that a Rutgers and USC game is going to be a coast-to-coast matchup, you know, and it doesn't fit in with historically what conferences have been. 
Um, people even talked about it when Oklahoma and Texas first announced they were joining the SEC. How's that going to work? They're so far west, so far west being, of course, just Texas and Oklahoma. Um, but this really does, uh, in my opinion, spark a, a future change in the way college football is going to be organized. I, I think now with all these streaming services, and, and you have the ability to watch on your phone, online. You're no longer stuck to your TV, your local cable provider. I think now we're going to see just conferences open up, go wild. Uh, I wrote an article the other day that had you know Utah as a potential target for the SEC if they want to expand even further, um, just because of their recent relevancy and how strong they are. The only complaint people had about it was, how far away Utah is from the rest of the SEC. Well, listen, I think other conferences are going to take advantage of these high-profile programs all across the country. And if it's going to happen, you might as well jump on it ASAP because nothing can be as, you know, egregious as USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Now, obviously, we have a lot of schools that are that are even in conversation. There's talks about some ACC schools. There's some talks about more Pac-12 schools involved with the Big 12. And before we get to all that, though, you brought up the geography of it. I think that's something that doesn't totally matter because of where we're headed. I think eventually I'm on Josh Pate with on, on, on board with Josh Pate on this thing. This is headed to AFC, NFC territory where it's two conferences that span the countryside. But regardless of that, whether that's what happens or not, you mentioning the geography sparks this question in my mind. Is I've always thought that with all the evolution that's coming with college football, nothing is in danger of killing the traditions of it. Like that's the one thing that'll be upheld, the feeling of college football, the environment of the stadiums. But one thing that could be in danger, I think, with all this expansion is the regionalization of it. Now, I think that can be a good thing on the national side, but college football by its core is a regional sport by having conference games between USC and, and Rutgers. Are they kind of putting that in, in pretty severe danger? You know, I don't think that it's necessarily in any sort of danger as much as it is now just susceptible to evolution. And it's kind of being forced to evolve at this point. Uh, yeah. College football for the most part. And when you look at the conferences, it's been, you know, geographically tight. You, you've seen here in the SEC, you know, all these programs within just a few states of each other, most of which are just neighboring states. Now with the Big Ten doing something like that, it's completely different. Also, I mean, take a look at what the Big 12 did with West Virginia. West Virginia was way out there, and I'd even venture as far as to say Iowa State was a little bit out there for the Big 12 as well. That whole conference, for the most part, was – you know, pretty spread out. Not to say that the Big 12 rivals the Big 10 or the SEC in terms of, you know, regionability and what the fans are capable of, you know, traveling to or, or whatnot. But you look at the ACC. The ACC isn't very tight-knit. It's just the, the eastern border of the United States. Uh, I, I'm here in Miami. Miami fans aren't traveling to Syracuse or Chapel Hill. You know, it's it's just not happening. And while it's big for the SEC schools, the Big Ten schools, and even some programs that are, you know, closer together in other conferences across the country, I don't think this is going to have as big of a detrimental effect on college football and their fan bases overall. I think now we're just going to see, you know, the reach of the Big Ten go even further across the country now. Pac-12, you know, country over there is going to have a solid amount of Big Ten supporters, which, you know, could benefit that area overall as far as, far as the college football community goes. So, no, I don't necessarily see it as a 100% positive thing, but I'm far from believing that it is a detriment to the game. Yeah, when it comes to Miami, I mean... Y'all are pretty far away from everybody. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the way that state is structured, you know, but I mean, that is a solid point, though. I mean, 
Miami fans are not going to a Boston College game. You know, that that is just that is a ridiculous drive. It's it's about as far away as West Virginia is from everybody else in the Big Twelve. So it, it's it's a matter of perspective and tradition, I think, when it comes to a lot of these things. Hell, you know, Florida and Arkansas are pretty far away from each other who you really kind of narrow it down. So there's there's usually a little bit of discrepancy, but it's the traditions of these conferences which are now ever changing. But sticking in the ACC and, and maybe it has something to do with the old green and orange. Uh, there's an ACC source out there. Josh Pate, of course, retweeted this uh, this tweet uh, that tells this guy that there's a school that has exhaustively ran the numbers and compared to the windfall of the SEC and the Big Ten, Big Ten TV money, the financial risk of leaving a conference far is far outweighed by the future reward. These TV contracts are what's pushing the buttons here. Fox is controlling the Big Ten, ESPN is controlling the SEC. Anybody that doesn't know that just hadn't heard it out loud and thought about it long enough. It, it, that is the reality of this. And maybe that's scary to some. To me, I think it just makes sure that we have a good product on television, which I'm, I'm here for. Give me more good football. Uh, Josh Pate, in quote tweeting that, says, we'll figure it out in court, was the, the quote that he was given from that, that, ACC, that ACC school. Um, a lot of attention is, was pointed to the ACC after this happened, after the USC-UCLA move, because that means that the, the SEC and the Big Ten had pulled schools in from two other power conferences, but the ACC reme- remains unmoved with so many legendary programs, and then it's top dogs and other top billings when it comes to basketball. There's a lot of value in the conference, but they haven't moved. The potential of those schools to branch outward, I mean – what do you think is going to happen with the ACC, and what should they do if it's different? I think the ACC as an organization is going to bite its tail off to keep Florida State, to keep Miami, and to keep Clemson. Because beyond that, there's not too much left in the conference. Sure, NC State and UNC are quality to a certain extent. Say the same about Wake Forest, maybe not as consistent and a couple of the other programs will have flashes here and there in football and a couple other sports. But those main three that I just mentioned are what's keeping the ACC as a Power Five conference, in my opinion. So if they want to move, I think they're going to move regardless of what the ACC you know, tries to block them with, whether it's money, whether it's legal action, uh, no matter what it is. I think if the SEC wants to welcome them in, and they want to make that move, it will be made. And if it's going to get fought in court, it's it's money versus money at that point. And contracts, as a lot of people know, you know, they're legally binding, but there's loopholes to just about everything. Uh, the ACC network is ESPN. The ACC has a deal with ESPN. If ESPN is the one pulling the strings with the SEC right now, and that's the motivating factor for a lot of people. I mean, it, it, the writing's on the wall right there. It's ESPN on the ACC, ESPN on SEC. This might be an easier move than a lot of people are making it out to be. And what I think what puts the ACC in such danger is they span. I mean, we just talked about the geography of it. They span the Big Ten and the SEC. They're in both, you know, respective regions in that space, and those. Those two massive conferences now can just eat them alive. And, I mean, why, if you're the Big Ten, why wouldn't you go steal North Carolina and Duke? You know, why wouldn't you go steal Syracuse? And if you're the SEC, why wouldn't you go steal Clemson, Miami, and Florida State? All of that just sounds best for business. And if you're the ACC, pulling from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 sounds even more dangerous. Now, with that said, the, the Pac-12 is – has got some schools in conversation with the Big 12, that being Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Now, the most alarming of those would be Utah. The, I don't think the Pac-12 could survive a loss of Utah. That is, that's up there with Oregon as, in terms of, you know, being a football powerhouse, you know, within that conference, at least in recent years. Utah has really taken advantage of being in that conference. If that's the case, if, if the Pac-12 really dissolves out of that and the big 12 is able to absorb that what happens to the pac 12 then are they dead or are they 
fighting for survival just off of Oregon and Washington alone? What's going to happen out west? I, they're not keeping Oregon and Washington, at least just from what I'm seeing, what I'm reading and hearing. You think they're headed uh, to the Big right Ten? Right now, if they, I think they're headed to the Big Ten. The only thing holding them back right now is Notre Dame. The Big Ten wants to see what Notre Dame will do, which is crucial because Notre Dame football would be eligible immediately. Yeah, It's the rest of the athletic programs within Notre Dame that belong to the ACC and would then have to follow, you know, whatever payment needs to be made to buy out their portion of those ACC contracts. Um, if, if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, I think, you know, Oregon's a shoe-in. Washington, maybe not so much. I was kind of shocked to see those two be paired together and not Oregon and either Oregon State or Oregon and Utah to the Big Ten. But I think either Notre Dame going to the Big Ten would be a catalyst for Oregon for sure leaving. Or even if Utah and all those other programs leave for the Big 12, the Pac-12 at that point is just going to have to give up. There's not much you can do. The Big 12 saved face when they, they brought in UCF, Cincinnati. You know, everyone thought the Big 12 was going down at that point. They did that, which a lot of people was a lot of people weren't too impressed with, but they were content enough to the point where, all right, we'll leave the Big Twelve alone, they'll survive. Let's just see how things play out. When USC and UCLA left, everybody knew this was going to start a mass exodus from the conference that and I'm sitting here saying now, I don't think they can recover from. That that sprung to mind a lot of questions. Let's let's start with this one because I think it'd be the easiest one for me to forget. The Big 12, bringing in BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, uh, and Houston. I don't think that's enough to, to consider that really a Power 5 conference at that point. I mean, uh, if they could bring in Utah, I think that would do a lot for them. Utah and BYU's rivalry and 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 everything that goes along with that. You, you, Utah can finish in the top 15 with, with some consistency. Honestly, they've been pushing the playoffs for the past couple of years. But if they can't do that, then what is like what what is the future of the Big 12 to, to really stack up with what the SEC and the Big 10 are building? And if the ACC can preserve itself, I mean, what, what really kind of can be the future of Midwest college football without the two juggernauts of Texas and Oklahoma? I don't think there is any. I, I don't think you can get to a point where without Utah, the Big 12 can ever be compared to what the SEC and the Big 10 are going to be within the next few years. I mean, even with Utah, Jacob, we're looking at a conference that holds a, a handful of former group of five programs that are going to take some time to get rolling at the power five level and Utah, which sure they can compete. They're a great program uh, and and have a bright future, especially within the next five years. But is that going to be enough to make a four team college football playoff or even when it expands, we're looking at now 32 teams combined between the sec and the big 10 and that number is subject to change and most likely will be growing uh, within the next few years, maybe even before this upcoming college football season starts. We'll know more about the total number of teams. If there's only four spots available, Jacob, or even eight in a few years, I'm sorry. The odds of just Utah getting in are not very high, and the rest of the Big 12, I wouldn't even say has a chance. I wouldn't. So the ACC could sneak a couple in at an eight-team uh, playoff. The Big Ten and the SEC are going to run it, and the Pac-12 will still be, you know, in court trying to figure out how to get rid of their trademark payments because the conference dissolved two years prior. Oh. Oh, that was good. Oh, that, that had to hurt across all, all across the West Coast. I mean, it's got to feel really weird, though, for the Big 12 to feel like they had done something by bringing in those other group of five programs. Now, I'll be honest. I don't think it was really that much of a win to pull in Cincinnati. They lost all the talent that had built them 
to a playoff contender. Uh, UCF, I mean, the Gus bus has gotten to a slow start. UCF's not what they were in 2017. Houston is pretty mid at, at best. It's just Texas at that point. And BYU is a, is a solid program, but, I mean, it's not the best program in Utah. I, did the Big 12 kind of undo themselves by making that move as early as they did for all of those group of five programs? I mean, how, how can those programs possibly feel comfortable in the state of college football, too? Because those are rising fan bases there, too. They won't. Uh, it, just to put it uh, plainly, but as far as the Big 12 is concerned, it was a total desperation move. I think everybody knows that and understands that. Um, it was more so to appease the masses of people that were advocating for BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF to become Power 5 schools or Power 5 programs. Um, it, it's not going to be enough, like I just said, to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, probably the ACC as well. Uh, but they're going to be respectable programs. It's going to remain in the minds of many college football fans a Power Five conference. I think they did just enough to give themselves programs with enough credibility to remain a Power Five conference. And these are all arbitrary, you know, labels that we're giving these conferences. But the Big 12 took such a massive hit with the loss of Texas and Oklahoma that adding these four programs, I think, did just enough, just got them over the hump to remain, um, in the minds of many, a Power 5 conference. Where do you see this heading? Um, I, I kind of have the AFC-NFC mindset. I, I have a hard time believing the ACC is going to survive if the Big 10, if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 absorb one another. I don't see that being ultimately very successful. Do you see this as, as something that can go four teams, three teams, or, or excuse me, four conferences, three conferences, or two? I mean, I, I, I'm pretty stuck on two. I can't see the other ones being very viable. What do you think? As far as power conferences go, yes. uh, you're just going to see two. You're going to see SEC and Big Ten. Um, you'll, you'll still have the uh, Big 12, in my opinion, they're going to stick around. I think the Pac-12, like I'd mentioned, is going to dissolve. I, I think that is beyond repair, what's going on in the West Coast. There are no more programs that you can reasonably add and consider yourself to be one of the five strongest conferences in the nation. Um, as for the ACC, you know, there's two different ways this could go. You could have Clemson, Miami, and Florida State leave for the SEC and the ACC just, you know, hold the rest of those programs together. Um, but if not, then you're going to see those three programs leave for the SEC and a few more leave for the Big Ten and the others just stranded with the ACC gone altogether because much like the Pac-12, there are no other programs you could bring in and still consider yourself to be a strong conference. That's why I kind of like what the Big 12 did. It wasn't a great move per se, but it did just enough to keep them relevant. And it also kept these other conferences that they probably knew were about to go through something similar from doing the same and grabbing these smaller yet nationally relevant programs and, and bringing them into their conference. Talking with AJ Spur, site editor of Roll Tide Wire, the USA Today affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. At Spur FM on the Twitter account, I'm Jacob Harrison. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. I want to ask you real quick about Miami football as it stands right now because they had a massive weekend in recruiting. Now, I, they're, they're a big player when it comes to moving out of possibly the ACC or helping it to sustain itself, but the ability of Mario Cristobal to have this massive weekend that he had, uh, pulling in Francis Ma Maui, Maui Goa, Maui Goa, uh, Antoine Jackson flipping from uh, Georgia, Riley Williams choosing them over Alabama and Ohio State. I mean, Miami has had good recruiting classes in the past, but, I mean, it seems like Mario Cristobal is doing exactly what was expected of him all along when all those rumors first circulated that he'd leave Oregon to come down and coach the, coach the Hurricanes. I think we're seeing something that's going to have a lasting effect. Jacob. And a lot of people may think I'm from Miami. I'm in Miami. I must be a hurricane, 
you know, fan or grew up a Hurricane fan. I, I'm far from it. I, I may have grown up down here, but I am in no way, you know, any sort of fan of the Hurricanes program. Um, I, I really do think Mario Cristobal is on to something here. Uh, it's not just his strength in recruiting, which was showcased at Oregon. It, it seems like these players that he's landing aren't just committing to the program. They're committing to him. They're committing to what the future of the U will be. And at a time right now where the ACC, irrespective of what's going on in terms of realignment, uh, we saw what happened with Clemson last year. Uh, FSU is still you know, trying to recover from that 2017 Week 1 game against Alabama. And as far as football is concerned, this conference is wide open, in my opinion. Miami has been a sleeping giant for the last decade and a half or two decades. It's overdue. And I think we're seeing the beginning now of, you know, Goliath being awoken. So I really do think that while this past week was great for Miami, it's just getting started. Let's shift gears to the team that you are a fan of in Miami, and that being the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Uh, first and foremost, I know you already know about this because Tua Anon has tweeted it out, and I know your involvement <laughs> there. We'll, we'll keep it a little bit quieter. Uh, but Chris Sims has a, uh, a, a quarterback coach battle royale, and Tua Tungvaluwa and Mike McDaniel drew the lowest seed and have already knocked out Tannehill and Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans, much to Mason Woods' objection. And now it's Tua and McDaniel against Wentz and Rivera. If you haven't voted yet, Tua is absolutely annihilating this. It's obvious that Tua and on is, is about to rig this whole thing and have Tua and, and Coach McDaniel win this whole thing. So I won't ask you who's going to win out of the NFL. I would instead turn the question to, in college football, what is the coach-quarterback <laughs> duo that you would take in a battle royale? And I mean, like, fisticuffs. I mean, we're, we're, we're fighting, right? I, I, this, oh. is how, this is how I look at this Super Brawl tournament thing they've got going on. This is a fight. <laughs> who, who are you backing up as quarterback and head coach to win it all in college football. Oh gosh. All right. I'm thinking <laughs> SEC right now. I, I wish coach O was still out there somewhere. Right. It didn't even matter who his quarterback was. I would take coach O. Coach O and Burrow would be good. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, if, if we were just talking about him, Mario Cristobal, he's younger. He, he's, he's still very, very fit. Tyler Van Dyke has some strong arms on him. Um, yeah. That might be it, but I'm trying to think. I, not Brian Harson. I'm trying to think of you know coaches that are. Okay. You know, <laughs> has got some guns. <laughs> he does. He does. But if I, I'm thinking Harson v. Cristobal, yeah, I'm taking Cristobal betting the house on him. Um, Mason had a really good one. Them? Mason suggested KJ Jefferson and Sam Pittman out of Arkansas. Sam Pittman looks like he could throw some punches. <laughs> <laughs> that man is country strong. <laughs> you know what? It's gonna be it's gonna be about two in the morning, Jacob, and you're gonna get a Twitter notification from me because I'll just think of something and then I'll just throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to so go. So my about. final answer final answer for now is Cristobal and Van Dyke. Subject to change. I think that is a solid answer <laughs> to, to go with, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people are saying Nick Saban and Bryce Young. Bryce is sub six foot and Nick is 70 years old. I mean, let's be reasonable <laughs> here, guys. Uh, okay, back to the actual Dolphins themselves real quick. Tua joined Tyreek Hill's podcast and kind of threw it all back at the haters. What do you think about the quarterback standing up for himself? I love it. Uh, I, I really do think Tyreek Hill is exactly what not just the Dolphins needed as a player, but Tua needed as a confidence boost. It's clear that Hill's time in Kansas City uh, being surrounded by other great players and, and leaders uh, has worn off on him, or 
rubbed off on him because now in Miami on a team full of, you know, very young veterans or even still players on their rookie contract, uh, they, they needed a leader, especially with everything going on in the front office uh, this past offseason, uh, everything that's being said by, you know, members of the national media or just by fans on Twitter. And Tyreek Hill has not just been an outspoken player. He's really given to us some confidence. And I think we saw just that in the uh, the podcast appearance by Tua. He, he was opening up. He wasn't just talking about how he felt about this offseason. He wasn't giving generic answers. He was actually talking about, you know, his feelings and how he feels about heading into the 2022 season, as well as mentioning some things about Alabama that I had really never heard in as in-depth as he went in um, other than this podcast, because he talked about wanting to transfer to USC. I knew that those thoughts were there and had been talked about uh, while he was still at Alabama. But he talked about calling his dad and seeing if their scholarship offered to him still stood, which I thought was very interesting. But um, no, I, I love it. I, I think we're going to see a new Tua, not just on the field, but a- as a personality. AJ Spur at Spur FM on the Twitter account. Go check him out. His work is at RollTideWire.com, the USA Today affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. AJ, appreciate it, man. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you for having me, Jake. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely. AJ, helping us out there. We'll take a break and come back, hit the phone lines, talk with Jeff real quick, and close down the show on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 Sports Update. With your Tide Sports Update, I'm Mason Woods. Former Alabama running back Bo Scarborough rushed for 135 yards this weekend as the Birmingham Stallions defeated the Philadelphia Stars to secure the inaugural USFL championship. The Crimson Tide picked up yet another commitment this weekend for the 2023 class, flipping four-star offensive lineman Ryquise McElderberry from the Georgia Bulldogs. Former Alabama forward Keon Ellis made his summer league debut this weekend, scoring 17 points on six of eight shooting with six rebounds and an assist. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. The best new analysis in T-Town. I got a stat for you. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues on Tide 100.9. Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports they're replaying the hot dog eating contest. And, you know, Mason played the trooper by Iron Man. You got to be a trooper to, to even watch this, let alone participate. This is disgusting. It's okay to be wrong, Jacob. <laughs> it is. Hey, I'm the first one. I'm the first one to admit when I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong about this, fine. I, I Look, there's bad opinions everywhere. I'm sure I have a lot. This is gross <laughs> like it's just like there are a lot of like so i saw this tiktok maybe other people have seen it i'm not crazy uh but there's a tiktok out there like there's apparently this huge breakfast that you can eat in like 30 minutes it's like eggs and uh sausage patties bacon uh like a pound of french fried taters three one pound pancakes and i'm like that sounds actually pretty amazing i wouldn't want to eat in 30 minutes but, like, give me an hour and a half, I would eat that. This just doesn't look fun. It doesn't look fun to watch. It doesn't look fun to do. It looks miserable. And that's what makes Joey Chestnut so great. <laughs> where he where does it other for us. are miserable, he is elite. They're really counting ones like that he just puts in his mouth. You don't have, you don't have to swallow them to count them? I mean, I think they have some. They have like a. They have an official guy that I think stands in front of him and like actually confirms whether or not he's not just spitting them out. But I think for like the TV count, it's basically just oh, a hot dog went away. We'll give him one. It is bizarre. It is so bizarre. And like, the, you know, of course they put it on Joey Chestnut the whole time. But outside of that, like, it is just guys being just flat out sick to their stomach. Like they can't. 
possibly want to continue beyond one more hot. It's so it's it's just not it's not enticing whatsoever. Let's finish up the show with Jeff. What's going on, Jeff? Uh pretty much got my two minutes here. Boys get excited. USFL games excited, but did you five five cockroaches show up? Uh, well, I didn't watch it. <laughs> nobody, nobody More power else. to those that did. That Scooby Ryan interception nobody, nobody, was enticing. Nobody, nobody else did either. So nobody else did either. But uh, but I, I think some of these ads, I I know you want Big Twenty and the, I guess AC Field change their name. They they should change it to Sixteen Candles. World Conference. Sixteen uh, Sixteen members. They can play the Sixteen Candles. Trailer to every athletic event. They can play by <laughs> Molly Ringwald and uh, whatever her name is. The Joey Chestnut Conference, because it can uh, fit I'm all not, of I'm, the schools. Well, it's because you can't take it. Why don't you eat some, eat some why don't you have a hamburger eating contest? Can you eat a hamburger? <laughs> hamburger eating, some hot dog eating, which, which is mustard, mustard, ketchup, pickles on there and go to eat. You'll be all right. You dip that bun and some Gatorade, and you're ready to go. So, is that what they were dipping that in? That is disgusting. I got like water or something. I don't know. There was a guy There was a guy that used to be the Titans mascot. He was in. He ate about 30 of them. So against this hot dog thing, though, uh, he mentioned mustard. I love a gourmet hot dog, like a legitimately like well thought out, well planned, well condomized hot dog. Give, but like I like the worst one, like mustards and onions and pickles, like you know something that's going to leave your breath absolutely rank. That, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I like about hot dogs. So I, I can't stand the rest of it. That's all for today. The Jay Parker Show is up next. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. for more Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. If you suffer Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon across West Alabama. A few scattered showers and storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 76. Tomorrow, morning sunshine. A few scattered storms by afternoon. The high at 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9.